0: You may have noticed the title of this uh, particular one is "Great Is Thy Faithfulness." Also happens to be one of the hymns we sing. Some time ago, I made made a mention in this in the service. I believe it was in the service that uh, we ought to to break out that that uh, hymn, "Great Is Thy Faithfulness," and so on Thursday night they were practicing it. And Nikolai said, "Yeah, I made note of that that you said that," <laughs> and so he brought it on right out. And well, when they and I knew there was something we were going to get into with the, the faithfulness of God. But as soon as they began to sing it, I, be, I, w- I was shown three different things to pursue. I didn't have time to pursue it until this morning. But I, I, I made sure that I, I wrote them down. And so here this morning, we're going to get into these three particular things and uh, about the faithfulness of God. Because it will teach us some things about what the enemy is trying to do to subvert our faith and some things that we can do to get us to where we need to be. But the last couple of weeks, we took a look at how God views you while you're being unfaithful. And we spent three weeks on that. We looked at Paul. We saw that God corrected him, challenged him, and directed him where he should go because he was not being faithful. We saw Moses. He was not being faithful either. And God at the burning bush challenged him, directed him. And then when he decided to argue with God, God corrected him. So corrected, challenged, and directed is one of the things we saw in the first two, but then we spent some time last week on some people's favorite uh, hero from the Old Testament, Brother Gideon. <laughs> and we looked at this thing, some things from him, and though he was not, in my opinion, one of the stalwarts of faith, though uh, we spent some time in on Hebrews, and certainly the Hebrew, writer of Hebrews put him in <laughs> the, the, the Hall of Fame, so to speak. And so I took encouragement from that because all you have to do is be in faith one day out of your life and you can get in the Hall of Fame. Amen. But we saw some things with God dealing with him that I just thought was beautiful in this aspect of it, in that the view of God of the unfaithful is demonstrated clearly with Gideon and we also looked at Abraham. But take a look at some of the words. We spent some time last week looking at how unfaithful Gideon was. He had a call of God on his life to be the deliverer. There was a need for a deliverer, and God had been dealing with him about being a deliverer, and he ignored it, and he his his idea of himself was that he was the weakest of the weakest family in the weakest tribe of the nation of Israel. Now, that's a pretty low opinion of yourself. And God came to him. I want to read to you again the words that God had for him. First off, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> this is said to someone who has not shown one ounce of faithfulness in his life. And that's what God said about him. Then he said, just two verses later, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Go in this might of yours. He saw himself as the weakest, God's viewpoint of him was different. He never walked in that strength, but God's viewpoint of him was different. A few verses later, he says this to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the knights as one man. And we ended it off last week with, There is no such thing as yesterday's word. What's, what God speaks is eternal. Now, I always appreciate some of the notes that y'all send to me here, here and there. And, and Miss Vanessa sent me a note. And she said she, she had a uh, meditating on that. And she said, I'd ask her right now if it's okay if I shared it, but it's already too late. <laughs> 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 I'm already committed. So. <laughs> but I, I know she wouldn't have a problem with that. She says, you know, that also goes true for prayers, And she mentioned some prayers that were prayed for her, and we can think of some prayers that were prayed for others, and certainly in the Word of God, you can think of the prayers of Hezekiah for his son Manasseh, that long after these people have died and gone on to heaven, those prayers still continued on. There are no yesterday words. What God speaks is eternal. And if God has spoken some things over you, understand, they are eternal. They don't expire. The enemy may try and tell you I'd like different, but don't believe him. Much of the unfaithfulness in the body of Christ is from listening to words that are not from God. And that's what we have to be careful of. But today we're going to take a look at a verse of Scripture that I'm sure that you all know. It was on the Facebook page. It's on the uh, bulletin. And that's from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful he cannot deny himself now how many have ever heard the the rules in the household you know rule number 1 mama is always right amen rule number 2 if mama is wrong see rule number 1 right that's that's how it's written well it kind of it, it's this way with god too rule number 1 god is always faithful that's rule number 1 rule number 2 If it seems that God has let you down or has been unfaithful in any way, see rule number one. (laughs) God is always faithful. He is faithful to His Word. He will never let His Word fail. Now this verse tells us this, that God's faithfulness is not dependent upon or influenced by The faithfulness of another. This is huge to understand. If you can understand this, this one, this first point on this thing, it will help you in your own faithfulness. God's faithfulness is not dependent upon or influenced by the faithfulness of another. There is no person on earth who can be unfaithful and it will stop. God from being faithful. Now I'll tell you why that's big as we go on here. But very often our own faithfulness is dependent on the faithfulness of the people around. How many times have we gone over what people have done that have let us down and used it as a basis for why we're not going to continue? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, in the New Century Version, is read this way. If we are not faithful, he will still be faithful because he cannot be false to himself. The message puts it this way. If we give up on him, he does not give up, for there is no way he can be false to himself. If we give up on him, he does not give up, for there is no way... That he can be false to himself. Now I want us to see the context of verse 13, because it's really important that we see the context to understand where we're going on this. In we're going to go all the way back to verse 1. Not going to delve into a whole lot of detail, just kind of looking at the for the context of this one verse. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. Many people are strong in judgment, but we are not called to be strong in judgment. We are called to be strong in grace. As I have received grace, I need to pass grace on to others. Every time the enemy gets me to focus on the faults and the problems of other people and gets me with my mouth to pass judgment on them, I am not walking in grace. I have become weak in grace, not strong. If I become weak in grace, what happens to the grace that is extended to me? If I want grace, walk in grace. It's important. He says, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's a big emphasis here on getting those words out to other people. It's imperative that people hear the word of God, the true word of God, because if they don't hear it, if they don't continue to hear it, it will affect their walk. They won't notice it at first, but it will affect their walk. You therefore must endure endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Notice he says this right after he talks about getting the Word of God out. Because when you put the Word of God out in the form that God intended for it, there will be hardship. Because if it helps people, the enemy wants to stop it. And so he will stop it in any way possible. Verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Now he just talked about you being a soldier. Endure hardship like a good soldier. Can you imagine a soldier out there on the field? Well, I don't want to go out today. It's raining. Man, that just puts a bullseye right on you. It's a little target right there. We're coming after you. You're going to be out in the rain all night now. I don't want to go outside. It's too cold. I got a hole in my boots. I really can't march today. These things won't hold up for a soldier, would they? But we think they hold up for us. We got a lot of excuses. Well, God, I just don't want to serve people anymore because they just don't like me. They don't appreciate me. Now he says, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Can you imagine a soldier on the battlefield and the sergeant leader gives an order and the guy says, just a minute, I'm finishing a letter to home. <laughs> uh, n- don't come over there and rip that thing up. That's, this is not going to be happening. They don't care if you're in the middle of eating. If duty calls... And you're a soldier on the field? And the enemy's coming? Or they need to launch an offensive? They don't care what you're doing. Well, my shift just ended. (laughs) That won't hold up either. So you see why Paul uses the the analogy of a soldier. Because a lot of things we we get away with in our own life, they don't happen on the battlefield. And most people understand that. And whether they were Roman soldiers... U.S. soldiers, whatever soldiers they were, we can understand because it's all had the same idea. If an order is given, you do it. So no one engaged in warfare and entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. That's all we're looking at. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. If you want to run and a track meet, and you go up to the uh, referee and you say, look, I'm not feeling real good about this today. Do you mind if I move my starting blocks up? <laughs> that's not going to work, is it? No, we understand that everybody has to follow the same rules. And we get upset if we're watching a sports thing on TV and somebody got away with something that's outside the rules. Right? If, if, if you're watching baseball and you saw a ball, it was clearly a ball. And they called it a strike. You get upset because that's not the rules. We get upset when the rules aren't followed. So he uses this as an example. Well, God has given us some rules in the Word of God. We need to make sure that we follow the rules if we want the crown. There's a whole lot of Christians out there that are going to be be asking for the reward. And God says, wait a minute, you moved the starting line up. You didn't follow the rules that are in the the Word of God. You need to do what it says. Just like a soldier would. A hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Well, if you're going to be out there working hard for the things of God, you're going to partake. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer even to the point of chains but the word of God is not chained therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory now sometimes we've lost that we're not enduring a whole lot as far as what the saints want to throw out to us yeah I'm not taking any of your junk anymore he goes on here in verse 11 this is a faithful saying now, we. Ha- this is the main part of the context I wanted you to see, but we need to get all the rest of it as well so you see where he's building up. This is a faithful saying. If we, For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. We can understand that, right? If I die figuratively, so to speak, representatively, the death that he died on the cross, then I shall live with him. We can understand that. If I don't go through the salvation process and become born again, then I'm not saved. I have to die with him. As Paul had written, I have been crucified with Christ, yet not I. I have been cru- but I have been, I have been crucified. He was the one done, but I have to die that same in a representative way. So, he says it again in this one. If we died with him, we shall also live with Him. There's no doubt there. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. So if I endure what is coming my way because of salvation, because of the gospel, because of going the way of the things of Jesus, if I endure, if I hold up, what's it say? We shall reign. Now we might like to have a good confession and say, I'm going to reign with God. But in order for that to be happening, what has to happen? I have to endure. I have to endure what comes my way in order to get to the end result of the reigning. Now, enduring doesn't just mean put up with it. The word patience and the Word of God, we spent time on it before, doesn't just mean put up with it. It means you stay under the thing. You don't let go of the principles of the Word of God. You stay with it. If it's faith, you stay in faith. If it's love, you keep walking in love. Whatever it is, you stay under it. You don't. You don't give out. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we endure, if um, if we deny Him, He will deny us. Now, up to the these three statements here that He makes, these are all cause and effect. Who knows what cause and effect means? Any of the kids that are me. All going over. Cause and effect means that if you do this, this shall happen. A great example of that is if you eat the cookies before mom says so. The effect is no cookies for you. You're blocked from the cookies. If you don't clean up your room, you don't get your allowance or some other kind of a thing. There, there's there's uh there's cause and effect. If I do this. I will receive this. But if I don't do this, I won't receive this. There's a cause and effect there. That everything that I do in this area has an effect in eternity. So, if I died with Him here in this life, then in the next life, I will live with Him. If I endure in this life, in the next life... I'll reign. If I deny Him in this life, He will deny me. So see, there's a direct cause and effect. Everything that is done by me has an effect in heaven. And then we come to verse 13. Now look at verse 13. If we are faithless... He remains faithful. Now, do you see what the context does to that? He just made three statements that if I do something, it will have an effect upon God and heaven and where I'm going to be going, what I'm going to be doing. Direct effect. If I do this, this happens. If I do this, this happens. Direct effect. Cause and effect. And then he gets to this last one and it would seem like because of the context. That it would say. If you are faithless. He will be faithless too. But it doesn't say that. He says. If we are faithless. He remains faithful. So on those first three things he threw out. There's a direct cause and effect. In the eternal kingdom. But on this last one. My faithlessness has absolutely no effect upon him. No effect. So if I deny him, alright, he's going to deny me. But if I'm faithless, he is still faithful. He still remains faithful. So see, it just seems like this next verse, this next part here, it goes against what he had done. It goes against this. But it doesn't. He's trying to say all these things can have a cause and effect. But in the area of faithfulness, there is no cause and effect. Because he is always faithful. Faithful. What he's trying to get you to see here is, remember he said if you deny him, he would deny you. He ends that verse as he cannot deny himself. And if he is to become faithless, he has to deny himself. And he cannot do it. Because God cannot deny himself, he can never be unfaithful regardless of my actions. He will always be faithful to his word. Now, he doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he goes from this. Your faithfulness will not have an effect upon the faithfulness of God. Remind them of these things. Charge them again before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit. How many times do we get called into arguments that have no eternal value? How many times are we trying to argue with people who don't want to receive the truth? That would be striving about words to no profit. If Jesus perceived that someone didn't want to receive the truth, what did he do with the truth? He kept it to himself. I don't need to give this to you. Don't strive about words to no profit. Don't do it. To the ruin of the hearers. To the ruin of the hearers. Hmm. Don't be, don't be getting into strife. If you're seeing words that are getting into strife, you know, you, there's some things you gotta back out of it. Now, there are some that are gonna cause some strife that you're not supposed to back out of. But be careful that you don't just become embattled. Now, Paul. Caused some trouble with some of his words. (laughs) Caused some to believe and some to disbelieve. But those were words about salvation. Trying to stir them up to the things of God. And they didn't want to receive it. And so he brushed the dust off his shoes. And he moved on to another place. All right, we're going over here. Let somebody else come along and water the seeds that he put in there. See, sometimes you just got to pick up and move on. You were maybe the one to come along and sow that seed, but you may not be the one who needs to water that seed. And Maybe you came along and put some water on it and they still didn't receive it. That's all right. Just walk away from it. Somebody else is going to come along and water. You sit there and you keep putting water on and they are not receiving it. You're just going to drown the thing. It's not helpful. And then we're not walking in the love of God. Don't need to do it. How do you tell the difference? Just listen to your spirit. If your spirit says, we're done with this one. Then you, then you go on. You move on to something else. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Best comment I've ever heard about that verse came from Brother Keith Moore. He said, when you divide something, you always have to divide it by something else. You see, you can't just take a number by itself and divide it. You have to have another number. If I say to you, divide 24, what would your question to me be? Divided by what? I divide by two. Am I divided by three? What am I dividing it by? I have to know what I'm dividing it by. You see, but a lot of people want to come out and they just want to give you one word. Well, you know, John chapter 4, and he'll quote the one word to you. No, if you're going to rightly divide the Word, you've got to go out and get the rest of the Word and divide it by it. The Word is understood by the other Word. If you've got a doctrine that is only represented by one verse of Scripture, you are not dividing the Word of God. You've left it to stand by itself. Rightly divide the Word of God. Remember the Word of God says on the basis of two or three witnesses, there's always something else you can divide it by. Now you can divide by multiple numbers. I can divide 24 by 2 and then divide that by something else. We can do those things, but you got to divide it by something. Rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Now here he doesn't just say arguments; he says babblings. Some people just babble. No, it's kind of like the uh, the peanuts cartoon: wah 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 wah. <laughs> We don't understand because in the penis, in the life of the penis the words of the adults were not important. <laughs> Only the words of the little ones. That's all that mattered and that's all the words that we ever understood. Shun profane and idle babblings for they will increase to more ungodliness. If it's, if it's profane and idle babblings God will, will witness it to you. Now he gives you an example here and their message will spread like cancer. Hamenius and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, and they overthrow the faith of some. So Paul is here as is one example he's going to go out there and get. The one example he pulls is someone who is denying the resurrection. Saying that it's already passed. That God's already come, set up his kingdom. That thing's already done and he's, they overthrew the faith of some is what he said well he calls that babblings see it's not rightly divided truth and my wife was just telling me about somebody in the um, I, I think they're in the rainbow circles and they just came out with some new understanding of the word of God that there is no rapture well as far as I understand the word of God it's talking about a rapture Jesus said it. Paul said it. They taught it. It's in the, in the Bible quite often. It may not have happened. Maybe some people get a little frustrated because it hasn't happened yet. And we think it oughta. But it hasn't happened yet. That's fine. Just keep waiting. If, uh, If you end up going home before the rapture comes, glory to God. It's all right. If if God chooses to wait, if we've misunderstood everything and it's another 50 years down the road, dear Lord, I hope not. (laughs) But if it was, (laughs) don't let that overthrow your faith. You hang on to it. Because what the Word of God has said is true. Whether you see it or not, Because the Word of God says, faith believes without seeing. Too many times we have a time limit on it. I need to see it. Know what has God spoken to you. Remember, God's words are eternal. If you spoke it, it's coming about. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wooden clay some for honor and some for dishonor and it's hard just to come to a stopping spot but we're going to stop at that one you can keep on going and look at the vessels of honor and the vessels of uh, not so honorable and he says strive to be one of the honorable ones it's, it seems to be up to us so he's given us some things to do that we can become a vessel of honor one that's eternal not wood and clay is gonna break up and burn up and have a problem. No, we want to get some gold and silver stuffing going on in there. Cause in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Just like you guys, in your house, how many of you have good china? <laughs> Nobody. Nope, just, it. just three, just, all right, a couple of people. We got good china. And for some of us, it may just be the better Corning ware. Alright, we don't have to be, have to be elegant. We just have stuff that we consider to be better. <laughs> it doesn't have to cost a fortune. Just to you, it's better. You know, we have some, uh, some, some silverware at the house and we have some stuff that, you know, looks like gold. It isn't. Is there, there's gold on it? It's gold on it. I don't think it's gold all the way through, right? Yeah. Alright, it's got gold on it. We don't bring that out all the time. You know, first off, you can't t- you can't take that stuff and and just um, just just put it in a dishwasher. Got to hand wash all those things, and you got to make sure that you don't use any kind of a scrubby brush because you're going to sc- scratch it up. You know, gold is soft, and so you have to use a sponge and you know soak everything up and uh, you know it takes some time, and, uh, and then put it all away because it has its own special spot that it goes into, and so but we only break that out every once in a while. The rest of the time, we break out the, the stuff that's silver. And, you know, that stuff, in a dishwasher, you know, who cares? You know, eventually you need to go out there and buy another set for 20 bucks. <laughs> Something like that. It's not expensive. It's just, you know, cheap stuff. And, and then when you really don't care, you go out and you get the plastic stuff. Yep. Now, if you're washing your plastic utensils, you need prayer. That is not the purpose of plastic utensils. (laughs) Plastic utensils, it's called disposable. It means you use it and you throw it away. If you're going to wash it, bring out the silver stuff. Don't be washing your plastic stuff. What you're saying is, I am poor. That's what you're saying. You're saying, I'm poor. I got no money. I got to wash the plastic Come on now. <laughs> We've talked about that before—that poverty mentality. I, I heard people teach it to me. You know, if you're saving ketchup stuff from Wendy's, come on. What's a bottle of ketchup cost? A buck and a half or something like that. I don't know what it, it costs anymore, but I mean, that's a whole lot better. Don't be don't be having your refrigerator filled up with ketchup. <laughs> Go over to Wendy's. Can I even get extra ketchup? Because I want to put it in my refrigerator to save in case I need some ketchup. Come on now. <laughs> Brother Copeland, he was teaching on this before. I'm pretty sure I've heard Brother Creflo Dollar teaching it before. I know I've heard Brother Keith teach on it before. <clears throat> you're just, you're just rein, reinstating. I'm poor. All right. We're not here to, to be talking about all that sort of stuff. How do we get off on that anyway? <laughs> oh, yeah. Great house. Great house. So you got disposable stuff, throw it away. Just chuck it. Don't need that no more. Become a vessel of honor. That's what you want to be. It would seem from the examples in the Word of God that we have that, what, that we cannot complain about people or situations without being unfaithful in some way. Now you think back to some of the examples in the Word of God of people who complained and you find a single instance where those people were seen to be faithful. In fact, generally, it is the opposite. They're seen as unfaithful. Now just to review, way back before we went over this with you, if I'm complaining, I am not rejoicing. Nor am I kind and myself blessed. If I'm complaining, I am not rejoicing. And the Word of God said, Rejoice in the Lord always. So the enemy loves to pull you into a place of complaining because he has stopped you from rejoicing and he has stopped you from being faithful to the Word of God. Because what we do as soon as we do that is, I know God says that I should rejoice all the time, but I just need to get this off my chest. I just need to vent. We got all the wording out there. And so there's a reason. God, there's a reason why I cannot do your word right now. There's a good reason too. If I'm complaining, I am not rejoicing nor counting myself blessed. Now with that, let's go over to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Moses is doing a little review. Got a lot of verses here to read. Not getting into the detail of it. Just want you to see the overall picture here. Hero Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakim, whom you know and of whom you have said it. Who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire he will destroy them and bring them down before you so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly as the lord has said to you oh that's good huh mm but you get blessed just reading that unfortunately verse 14 Moses says, do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me to possess this land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. So he's saying this, don't go in there thinking that you're all that. (coughs) Because you're not all that. I want you to know that you are going in there and they're being removed, not because you are all that, but because they are nothing. It is more about them and who they were than you. That's what he said. <laughs> can you imagine, the, the children here with us today, can you imagine if your parents turned to you and said, we are going to the ice cream store today. How many of you would be glad? Anybody, show your hands. How many of you glad? Ice cream store. Yeah. Ice cream stores are great. Ice cream stores are wonderful. We have this ice cream store up by us. All ice cream stores should be this good. It's called Sunday School. I mean, is that not, is that not a phenomenal name for an ice cream store? School. Sunday School. The first one they built was in an old church. <laughs> That's where they got the name from. And then they built another one in a shopping center and they They call that, uh, Sunday World. They, I think they did it initially, called it the same thing, but it's, uh, it's Sunday World. And they have, um, you know, these, these big things of ice cream in there. And I've never seen, I don't know who does this. Maybe Brother Les. (laughs) No one was since. (laughs) No. (laughs) I could not imagine this. And, and, uh, but they had a, a Sunday on the wall and they used hot sauce or Tabasco sauce on the (laughs) Sunday. Brother Les, would you do that? he's He's thinking about it. He is thinking about it. I'm telling you. <laughs> I have never tried that Sunday. I am never going to try that Sunday, but I remember one time we went in there and way back when they had the elections going on, you know, there was Trump and, and um, Clinton, and so they had you know you could vote in there, you could you could decide which one you wanted. and so they had the the Hillary, and uh, that one was a particular thing, and it was good. I mean they put some nice they had Milky Way in there and all that sort of stuff, and then they had the Trump. And the Trump had the $100,000 bar (laughs) in the ice cream sundae. I love $100,000 bars. And so I got the Trump. I would have gotten it anyway, but I got the Trump. And so um, after the election ended, and we would go in there and and see this, I would always go out to them, Do you still make the Trump? (laughs) It's not on the wall anymore. And so I ask you, you still make the Trump? Oh yeah, yeah. I know what it is. I'll take one of them. <laughs> now when they open up again, I think they're closed. When they, when they open up again, I'll probably go in there again. Do you make the Trump? <laughs> you see, we don't go out for ice cream all that often. Maybe once, twice a year we go out there when it's, when it's open. So you know, there's no sense in mixing it up. <laughs> just get what you like. I know what I like. <laughs> just just get me one of those. But if you were if you were there and your and your mom and dad said, "We're going out for ice cream." And y'all got excited, "Yeah, yeah, we're going out for ice cream." And they turned to you and they said, "It is not because any of you did anything good." <laughs> In fact, don't think for a moment that you have been good this week good enough to deserve ice cream. I'm taking you out for ice cream because I want to take your mom out for ice cream, and you'll have to go with us. <laughs> now, that would take some of the fun out of this, wouldn't it? But you would say, how many would still enjoy the ice cream? <laughs> all right. Israel is still going to enjoy the promised land, but God is saying, look, you're not getting there because you were any good. Because really, you weren't. You were not good at all. It's only because they are so bad that you get to go in. That's it. No other reason. It's not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you that He may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is another way of saying I am doing this not because you guys have been faithful, but because I am faithful. (laughs) That's why I'm doing it. Because you all not faithful. Not faithful. Not faithful at all. At all. <laughs> but I'm faithful. So I'm taking you in because I said to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, I am going to bring them into this promised land. So because I said it, I will say faithful to what I said. Y'all? You're no good. <laughs> Verse 6, Therefore understand that the Lord your God has not given you this good land to possess it because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. How many times does God say this to them? How many? Is it three? Three different times He says, It's not because you're any good. Because you stink. You are unfaithful. You are stiff-necked. But I'm still taking you in you are still gonna get some ice cream. <laughs> for you are a stiff-necked people. Remember, do not forget how to, how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. Hmm. We haven't talked about this particular doctrine for a little while. I know, uh, was it a couple of years ago I stepped on some toes with this one? Uh, Maybe you might remember it. (laughs) How many of you ever have been taught that the Lord forgives and forgets your sin? Yeah, that is false. There is no place in the Word of God where He says He forgets your sin. He says, I won't remember it against you. There's a difference. Now just look, did God forgive them of these sins when they were in the wilderness? But it seems that he still remembers them. Doesn't it? Remember the example that he gave a forgiveness of the servant who who owed a great insurmountable debt and he begged for forgiveness and forgiveness was extended and he went out and he would not forgive his fellow servant who owned a little bit. What happened to the memory of the person who had forgiven the great debt? Apparently, he never forgot. He just didn't remember it against him. And when he heard that he did not follow the same path, he brought him back in and then he remembered it against him. You see, you are not dependent for forgiveness that God doesn't remember your sin. What you're dependent on is that he does not hold it against you. He won't remember it against you. That means when the devil comes up and accuses you, God doesn't say, I don't have no recollection of that. God simply says, I know, but my son's blood has covered that and I will not remember that against them. See, that's a better doctrine than the one you were taught. <laughs> it's better because it's true. That's <laughs> what the word of God says. You see, if the devil can get you sold on the other thing. He can also undermine you. How many people have thought that if you don't forgive somebody, if you don't forget, the, the sin that someone has done against you you have not truly forgiven them and the devil has held you in bondage thinking that you are not walking in forgiveness because you can still remember their sins people i've even heard people oh god i'm trying to forget these sins but i keep remembering them so does god <laughs> it's okay just when you remember it don't be bitter yeah, yeah, they did that to me, didn't it? Glory to God. No bitterness in me to that at all. See, that's how you walk in, walk in it. It's much easier to do it the way God said than the way the devil wants you to think. Because he knows you can't do it the way he wants you to think. And therefore, you walk in condemnation. You've got to understand the truth of God's word. Remember he said rightly dividing the word of truth? You see, you can't just take one verse of scripture misunderstand it and apply it all over. You got to look at what's being done. Is God remembering their sins? Uh Uh-huh. Just not holding it against them. Where do we leave off at? Seven. Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. Also in Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry with uh, enough with you to have destroyed you. See, we're citing examples. We're not just giving generalities. We're citing examples. Remember over there at Horeb? Mm-hmm. He's ready to wipe you out. When I went up in the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord made with you, that I stayed in the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, I neither ate bread nor drank water. Moses is saying, remember what I did for you? Remember what I did? I'm up there 40 days, 40 nights. I'm not eating or drinking nothing. What are you doing? Partying. You not down there partying. I'm up there. Fasting and praying. Getting stuff from God for you guys. You're partying. Remember that? (laughs) Verse 10. Then the Lord delivered to me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God on them were all the words which the Lord has spoken to you on the mountain from the midst of the fire in that day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days and 40 nights as the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, go down quickly from here, for your people, whom you brought out of the Egypt, have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them, and they have made themselves a molded image. See, Moses remembers, you, you called them my people. They are not my people. They are not mine. They are yours furthermore the Lord spoke to me saying I have seen this people and indeed they are a stiff necked people let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven and I will make of you a a nation mightier and greater than they so I turned and came down from the mountain and the mountain burned with fire and the two tablets of covenant were in my hand and I looked and behold you had sinned against the Lord the Lord your God had made for yourselves a molded calf, you had turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. Then I took the two tablets and threw them out of my hands, and broke them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord, as at the first forty days and forty nights I neither ate bread nor drank water, because of all your sin, which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke me to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger, hot displeasure at which the Lord was angry with you, to destroy you, but the Lord listened to me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron, and He would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron. Also at that same time, then I took your sin, the calf which you had made, and burned it with fire, crushed it, ground it into small, ground it very small until it was fine dust, and threw it into the brook that descended from the mountain, or threw its dust in the brook that descended from the mountain. I also made him drink it. Didn't tell him that. But God said, let me alone that I may destroy them and I'll make of you a great nation which would still keep his word because Moses was a descendant of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Also, at Tibera, Massah and Kibroth Hadavah, you provoked the Lord to wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea saying, go up and possess the land from which I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. You did not believe him, nor obey his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. (laughs) As long as I've known you. You guys have been stiff-necked and rebellious. You haven't made a whole lot of improvement here. Verse 25, thus I prostrate myself before the Lord. Forty days, forty nights, I kept prostrating myself before the Lord, and he said... He would destroy you. Therefore, I prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, do not destroy your people and your inheritance whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not look on the stubbornness of this people or their wickedness or their sin, lest the land from which you brought us should say, because the Lord was not able to bring them to the land which he promised them and because he hated them. He has brought them out to kill them in this wilderness. Yet they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out by your might, power, and by your outstretched arm. <laughs> so God's ready to wipe them out. If God really wanted to wipe them out, He wouldn't have been telling Moses the thing. He's telling Moses so Moses can stand up and be an intercessor. And Moses immediately takes him to His Word because Moses knows about God. He will be faithful to His Word regardless of the faithfulness of other people, he will be faithful to his word. And he said, this is what you said. This is what your word said. You will be faithful. Now here's, this is huge to understand, people. I hope you can get this. The enemy is against you becoming faithful. He does not want you to become faithful. There's a tactic that he has to keep you from becoming faithful. He does this by pointing out the unfaithfulness of others. Constantly in your mind, you are being told, you are having thoughts sewn into your head about how other people have been unfaithful to you. Remember what so-and-so did? Remember what that happened over here? Remember this. Why are you so faithful when this is what is going on? Mm-hmm. And then we begin to reason in ourselves. Why am I being so faithful? And truly we're not. But the, the enemy is not trying to tell you, sell you on that. He's trying to sell you the fact that you need to become less faithful than what you are. And he's going to try and get you to base your faithfulness of the faithfulness of other people. And he will constantly accuse the brethren to you. Constantly. Because if he can get you to buy into the fact that they have been unfaithful, why should you continue on and be faithful? Why should you do it? But to see this verse of Scripture in Timothy tells us this. No matter how unfaithful you are. God remains faithful. That's the example. That's the faithfulness we are to attain to. If our faithfulness is tainted in any way by the faithfulness of the people around us, we are not following after the faithfulness of God. We have followed after something else. We see in In this world, husbands and wives become unfaithful to each other and they cite the other person and their unfaithfulness in something. We become unfaithful as parents and we cite the things that they have done as children, as reasons for being unfaithful. We become unfaithful to long-time friends because of something that they did and we decided that was a reason to become unfaithful. And the enemy continues to try and point out the unfaithfulness of others for the purpose of sidetracking your own. Because he's going to get you to think you are all that. And we really have not been all that. I'm no longer strong in grace. I am now in judgment. And the more I listen and the more I move into those areas, the more judgment I keep passing on the people that are around me. I become unfaithful to the grace of God and unfaithful to the word of God. Our thoughts become about those acts of unfaithfulness that have occurred to us. You see in that example that Jesus used with the parable of forgiveness, the unforgiveness was done to the master. But when he went out, he found something that was done to him. It was not done to the master. It was done to him. He was focused on that particular act. Your thoughts are going to be filled with these kind of acts. And it won't be long before your words follow suit. And our words will spread those thoughts to other people. Because it is tough to find somebody who thinks that people around them have been unfaithful that they do not eventually begin to call, sit down, discuss with others. Do you know what so-and-so did? And we spread the unfaithfulness that are in our thoughts to other people. Subverting their faith. Taking them down in the wrong direction. 2 Timothy 2.18 Pull that back up on there. Second Timothy 2 verse 18 who have strayed concerning this truth saying that the resurrection has already passed and they overthrow the faith of some when I listen to the thoughts and continue to meditate on them and continue to speak those thoughts I become a voice of the enemy not a voice of God instead of speaking the truth I speak things that undermine the faith of others Notice this about Moses. When he failed God at the rock, remember the time, second time they came to the rock and he was supposed to speak to the rock, but he didn't, he struck it. And because of that unfaithfulness to what God said to do, God said, you will not go into the promised land. If you remember the story, if not, go back and read it over. But if you remember the story, not one time does Mo- Moses blame anyone else. He doesn't say, didn't you see what those people were doing? didn't you see how they didn't honor you? He didn't do it. He never blamed anyone else. Now, when you begin to live up to God's standard, here's some things you will do. First off, you will only look, look only to myself to change. You see, when you walk into the faithfulness of God, all you can change is you. The enemy is constantly going to be focused, get you to focus on what others need to change. But the faithfulness of God looks to myself. What I need to change. Remember that verse? Or the verses that uh, Jesus taught? How can you remove the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log in yours? He doesn't say you're never qualified to remove it. He says, first remove the log that is in yours. Then you can see better to remove what's in theirs. A whole lot more we can get into with just that, but let's go on with this. Look only to myself to change. Second, kick out thoughts of the shortcomings of others. Kick them out. Don't let them reside in your head. When the enemy comes, the accuser of the brethren comes in and sows thoughts of the shortcomings of other people of the unfaithfulness of other people, of the things they haven't done that they should have done. Kick them out. Do not let them stay in your head. Kick them out. And third, speak words that won't overthrow the faith of others. In other words, rightly divide the word of truth. Speak words that won't overthrow the faith of others. Don't be speaking about other people's shortcomings. Here's another verse of Scripture for you. Love covers a multitude of? Huh. Not exposes, huh? The accuser of their brethren wants you to expose. God wants you to cover. Deal with them privately. Help them out. Here's the last one. Never doubt the faithfulness of God. Never doubt it. Remember the rules in the beginning? Rule number one. Let's hear it. God is always faithful. God is always faithful. Rule number two. See rule number one. If ever I think he is not faithful. If ever anything happens that it seems that his word's not going to come about. See rule number one. God is Always faithful. Now, think about this. How many times, maybe even in the last week, has the enemy come to you to tell you that something that God did or God spoke or God promised will not happen in your life or has stopped happening or you have lost something or somehow it has gone away. How many times does the enemy come and speak these words, has God really blank? If God truly did blank, wouldn't it be? And it gets begin to think, well, has God really done that for me? well, I know God promised, but it doesn't seem to be happening. Well, I know God said that, but... Well, I know God did that, and I walked in that for a while, but... See, the enemy wants you to think it didn't happen like you thought. It didn't really happen at all. You just imagined Is God truly faithful? Know this, folks. If it didn't come under test this week, it'll come under test next week. The enemy is not satisfied with you being unfaithful to other people. He is not even un- he is not satisfied with you being unfaithful to God. He wants you to believe that God, though He is faithful with all, is not faithful to you. That there is something uniquely different about you. And God is not faithful to you. Now, if God can bring the children of Israel into the promised land, after that list that Moses just gave us here. How many all know God can do something for you? If God says you don't deserve to go into promised land. But I'm still bringing you in. Just like you don't deserve ice cream. <laughs> but because I'm going to get you some. Folks, we don't deserve anything. That we have from God. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve his love. There's not a single thing. We've got from God. That we deserve. But God has given it to us. God. Though we are found. Faithless. He. Will be. Faithful. Because. He cannot deny himself. If God said it, he's got to do it. He's got to do it because he said it. So when the enemy comes to you and tries to get you to doubt, just go back to the word of God where the promise was. This is what you said in your word, God. I thank you. I choose to believe it and not what the enemy is whispering in my ears. Not what my body is whispering. Not what other people are saying. I choose to believe Your Word. Because rule number one, God is always faithful. faithful. And if it ever seems like He's not, see rule number one. God is always faithful. Always. That means God is faithful for me. God is faithful in my situation. No matter what it is that I've done in the past that has made me unfaithful in that situation, God is faithful. All I need to do is come back to the side of God. God, you know what? I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you now no matter what the children of Israel did in the wilderness for all those 40 years when they came here this time they said we're going to believe and we're going to go in and they did that promise that God has for you it's yours to enter into would you all stand up with me glory to God Father we thank you Oh, what a, what a good day to be born again, a worshiper of God. I thank you, Father, that no matter what we have done in the past that we have been unfaithful in, it does not change the fact that you are always faithful. And when we come back and come to our senses and we repent, You welcome us back. And the promise that we have from you, you are faithful to. No matter how many years have gone on, it doesn't matter because your promises are eternal. If we messed up like Moses and went out in the wilderness and lost 30 years, your promise is eternal. For like Abraham, and it takes us 25 years to get to the place to which you asked us to get to, you are still faithful. Even though his body is now dead as is his wife, that didn't stop you. Even if we were like Paul and went completely against the things of God, you're still faithful. And when we have come back around, You'll take us into everything that you called us to. And even if we're like Gideon, hiding out away from the enemy, seeing ourselves as the least of the least of the least, you look upon us the way that you said we were. Mighty men and women of valor, whom you will never leave nor forsake. And you will bring into the promise that we have. Lord, I thank you for it. I give you the praise and the glory for it. Hallelujah. Everybody head bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you have not been faithful to the call of God, maybe you are in the beginning denying God. And it says he would deny you. Maybe you have not given your life over to God to experience the death of Jesus his death in your place that you could have the life of God if you'd like to turn your life over to God to be faithful to him raise your hand up we're going to pray for you here this morning Father we thank you for those saints that are here today believing in you walking with you And though each one of us can find a case where we have not been faithful in the past, I thank you that you have brought us to a place where we can walk in what you called us to. It's not too late. There's no despair. I thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Brother Victor.
1: Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto. Let's take that one more time. Oh, great is your faithfulness, Lord, great is your faithfulness Morning by morning New mercies I see All I have that Your hand has provided Great is Thy faithfulness Lord, unto me. You know, it's just good to have that constant in your life, and especially in the world that a lot of things are just toi- you know, turning apart, a lot of things are just moving apart, um, a lot of unfaithfulness at workplace. a lot of unfaithfulness from our government, you know, a lot of disappointments here and there. You just need someone that remains sure and constant. You just need that God that remains faithful. Um, you can always go back and see Him there, always there. You know, after all the troubles, you can always go back and find the Lord still at the same place, saying, "My child, I love you." Hallelujah. We thank God for today. Thank you for being in church. Uh, We are always glad to have the church community together like this. Um, It gives us joy uh, to fellowship together, to share in this love. It gives us joy to always have you in church, and we are always happy when we see you in church. And thank God for our brethren that are watching um, over the Facebook. Uh, We are glad that you could join us today, and I'm sure that the Lord has blessed you and everyone that is here today. Amen. Uh pastor already said uh, that in second Timothy verse chapter two verse thirteen that he is sure and constant. He said um, if we are faithless he remains faithful you no know, because he cannot deny himself. Uh, the joy is that um Paul writing in Hebrew one of uh, the author of Hebrew said, you know, we are not of them that will turn back, but we are of them that will believe to the salvation of the soul. You know That is where our confession also come in, that Lord, if you're faithful, I also want to remain faithful with you. I want to stand sure in the things that you have promised. I want to abide in the word that you have spoken. And God will come true for us every day in Jesus' name, amen. We have some wonderful testimonies here today that we want to share with us. Um, somebody wrote an, an anonymous letter to god the name is not here but he's just expressing his love to god today say god i love you you know I say, god i love you and i know god loves you too amen amen um one of our young one here said um you know let said ele thank you ele i actually don't know what ele means but probably she knows what she has written You know, say, Ellie, thank you, Ellie. So whoever that is, you know, we give God thanks for that praise report. Amen. And I want to thank God for my family. God has been faithful, really faithful to my family. The word of God has been working so mightily in my home. Um, Within two weeks, God delivered my family from a fire incident in the home. You know, I last Sunday I the only word I heard last Sunday which was very key was um, God speaking to Gideon, I am with you, thou mighty man of warrior. I was a sister that shared that in the morning because I wasn't here for the rest part of the church. But I went to the side room and the same word came again. I was just looking on the wall and I saw Acts chapter ten verse thirty five. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you know, with the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good for God was with him. So in the mouth of two witnesses, it was established that Victor, God is with you. So I went back home. My wife told me the one of the babies was sick, so they had to be in the hospital on admission for two days. Um, So she came back. You can imagine after spending two nights not really sleeping, You know, she was really tired, and she slept off that night. But somehow she had an experience of the kind of experience that Paul had in the prison when the Lord woke him up and, you know, took him out. And he finally discovered that this was not a dream, it was a reality. That was what the experience she had. She was sleeping in the room with the kids, and um, somehow she woke up, but she didn't know herself, and walked to the living room only to discover a fire on one of the wall sockets. You know, it was burning between two fridges and a lot of clothes that were heaped around there. You know, so she shouted, Jesus. The first thing that came to her mind was, let me take the babies out of the house. And, you know, went out, called for help. In the middle of the night, uh, one of the neighbors woke up. You know, by the time they got there, they heard the sound, boop, as if the control um, point switched off. And that was how the light went off that night. You know, that was the second event. The first had happened like a week earlier. You know, So I came here to thank God for his faithfulness. Uh, because he's been faithful to me and to my family. And I give him thanks Because where I walk is a distance about one hour, 30 minutes from home. So I travel like three hours going and coming back. But every day I am eating the word of God. The one pastor preaches. I listen to Brachitmo and You know, I see the promises of God from scriptures and I say like, wow, God, you're faithful. Hallelujah. And if you're here, I don't know what you also came with. The Lord is faithful. He is faithful. If you came with sickness, God is faithful to what he has spoken concerning your health. If you came with a burden, he is faithful to what he has said concerning those burdens. Praise God. I will quickly take some prayer requests. Um, Sister Candy asks us to pray for um, a lady friend, uh, whose sister passed on, on Thursday. Um, uh, it must be very difficult for the family at this time. So we hold them in our prayers that God will comfort them and strengthen their heart. We believe, hoping that, um, she has gone to be with the Lord. Amen. And then we also remember our brother Jim in prayers who had a recent diagnosis of a bladder cancer. No, these words should not scare us. They are just the names that we have. You know, giving those diseases, Jesus called all of them on clean spirit. So uh, whatever it is, the word of God, the power of God is still available to heal. So we pray that our brother will have faith in the word of God to heal all manner of diseases in Jesus' name. Um, so we have a little time for Alicia to um, speak to us.